Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, Transformers, independent artists, interviews, Transformers, and stuff, and things. Also sometimes Transformers. And now, here he is, the cream that always rises to the top, Mike Seibert. Thank you, and welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, call the Mike Seibert voicemail hotline, 231-224-MIKE. That's 231-224-6453. And right into the mailbag, Radio at gmail.com. And for this very special emergency bonus episode, uh, my guest is professional wrestler Ethan HD, and we're talking about how you can help him and his wife Stephanie save Destiny City Comics from closing on October 31st. So time is tight and we're hoping for a miracle. Uh, there is an Indiegogo setup where you can donate and also get some cool perks that we'll talk about shortly. Um, Lucky and I met up with Ethan and Stephanie at uh, at the comic shop at Destiny City Comics and we did the interview in the neighboring King's bookstore. So there is going to be a little bit of uh, ambience. Uh, but my first question to Ethan went all the way back to the beginning and I asked, why is Destiny City Comics closing? So uh, the reason Destiny City is closing is there. The main thing is there's an issue with the distributor. Uh-huh. And so that just caused a bit of a financial hardship. But the company itself isn't like in the red or anything like right. that. So it's a really kind of interesting predicament. Um, and then just talking to Mike about it, I mean, it feels like there's maybe a little bit of a burnout too. And I think that also plays a factor in like, it's just a good time to kind of walk away because, like, the lease is up in October. Oh, So okay. it's just kind of a good time, like, just to step back. And so I don't think that there was any, like, reason to close other than that. And to me, it's one of these thick shops in Tacoma that is very Tacoma-centric. Yeah. In the sense that, like, it's very pro-Tacoma. Like, you couldn't... If you plug that shop into, like, a different city, it would feel out of place. Um, and especially with a lot of the work that it does, like in the community, um, just working like like Pride Walk is a big one. Um, even some of like the smaller conventions and stuff, and even holding like their own kind of smaller conventions, like they've done like a horror con in the past, right. and like uh, they did, I believe it was called Queer Girl Con, and mm-hmm. things like that, and yep. just like working with like local artists and like entertainers and things like that, and just kind of giving them a form, which is something that you're not getting from other local comic book shops. Um, and it's part of, yeah, just kind of this like grouping of small businesses that's about more than just being a business, but like enriching the community itself. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt like Destiny City being a pillar of that, it was, it was important to keep that alive and keep that going. Right. Um, so from there, well, actually, let's get some uh, detail stuff out of the way. Um, you have an Indiegogo currently set up that basically... Um, you're looking for help from us to help you and your wife, Stephanie, to buy the shop. Am I, am I understanding that correctly? Uh, that's 100% what's, what the deal is. So the, the Indiegogo doesn't cover the entire cost of the business. Right. The, the Indiegogo helps us essentially take out a smaller loan so that we're paying back less money, which makes the business, I guess, more profitable. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of helps ensure that we can keep things going, that like if we hit a rough month, rough month 
or we have to make like a larger order or something comes up that we're not wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what the Indiegogo is there for is just to like kind of help take some of the weight off of our shoulders as well. And because of that too, we offered like, we're trying to offer as many perks as we can mm-hmm. to make it worthwhile. So essentially it's no different than, than shopping at the store to support us. You know, if you donate a hundred, you get a box of 300 to 350 comics kind of depends on how, how they pack in there. Right. Um, which we learned because originally Mike was like, yeah, we do like 450 in a long box. And then when he started packing them, he's like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> um, but we also have the, the $25 mystery bag of 25 right. comics as well. Um, just donating five bucks even mm-hmm. will get you a sticker. Right. Um, and those will look really cool. I slap one on the back of my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, great for water bottles or whatever. Um, and then uh, NW, or sorry, MWP Comics, uh, based out of Bremerton, right. actually offered up a, a really cool one, which is where they will draw you into one of their comics. And actually, uh, Rev from KSW uh, was in one of theirs, I think, last year. Yes. Yeah. And got, got murdered in it. Yep. So you're not just like kind of standing there. He's pretty proud about that, too. That's a way cool he's one, right? So you're not just like standing there in the background. Right. But like something cool will happen to you in the panel as well. So right. something you can kind of like show off to people. And this is a really unique opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then there's also you can just donate whatever amount you feel like to. And that'll net you just a really warm fuzzy feeling kind of in the cockles subcockles of the heart as well um so those are the big the big ones we're offering but essentially it's just a way to help kind of support this business and get us through this this transition and ownership gotcha um so why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself because like i um I, uh, I'll, I'll admit, so I'm a, I'm, I guess what I would consider to be a lapsed wrestling fan, like, uh, but I've got a lot of friends that are still very much in the scene, and I, I had a lot of my guys, a lot of my friends and fans, they were like, oh, that's, because I told them I was going to be interviewing you uh, specifically about Destiny City Comics, because I'm just a fan of the shop. And they're like, no, this guy's a guy that's a guy. And I'm like, oh, well, instead of doing a bunch of research, I thought I would just go straight to the source. And yeah, maybe uh, um, because every podcast is somebody's first podcast, maybe uh, just kind of give us the, the elevator version of who Ethan H.D. is. Um, I guess brass tacks is a professional wrestler. I've been wrestling for the last 15 years. I've been all over the world. I was a head trainer in India for the Great Kali School. So oh, I was wow. out there for six months. Uh, last year, I was out in New Zealand. I was the head coach at Bad Luck Follies Dojo, and I was the first Gaijin coach to ever come out there. Um, so that was also kind of cool. Um, currently, I'm the head trainer at 3 to one Battle up in Seattle, mm-hmm. which is kind of this cool underground indie wrestling thing. Uh, primarily, I wrestle for Defy and Prestige Wrestling, which are based out here in the Northwest. Uh, I was just recently out wrestling in San Francisco for West Coast Pro Wrestling. And I believe we're coming back, me and Mike Sonny are coming back, the end of the year, I believe, for a big tag tournament they're doing. Okay. Um, so that'd be cool. And then, yeah, I was just up in Canada on Friday uh, wrestling at the Rickshaw Theater, um, which is always in my favorite part of town in, in BC on East Hastings. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, but I guess that's the thick of it. Yeah. And it's just something like I've always been very passionate about. I feel like that comes through in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I always enjoy. Like, I've, I've never gone into a match dreading it like yeah i wrestling to me is one of those things that like if you're not fully vested in it it sucks to do because you're just traveling so far yeah and just getting like 
beat up and then Literally. like yeah and then having to do the same thing you're just kind of like eating at random places like whatever's open at 11:30 or midnight like there's a lot about it that just sucks to get to that cool like 15 20 minute part that doesn't suck where you're performing like i mean i think bands are about the only artists that would come close to like kind yeah. of getting that that vibe yeah and being on that grind too yeah but i think it's just the physical like wear and tear mm-hmm. just like wears you down and like on top of that you're expected to be in the gym all the time training and keeping up your conditioning and your physique and like you're kind of just judged on like every aspect of your your performance and i think that's another thing too that like you kind of don't have to deal with in other art forms where like if if you're a a stage performer and your costume looks like looks like crap Mm -hmm. they don't blame you like they will say like the costume designer did terrible on that but like as a wrestler like you're responsible for your costume, like your outfit. So you get judged on that. Mm-hmm. Like it's these really like weird things that you don't think you'll be judged on that you, you do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the other part of wrestling that I think like, if you're not a fan, like if you're not really dedicated to it, that kind of grinds in you is like constant criticism, especially with like Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, It's so easy for somebody to just like tweet out like something they don't like about you. And it's just kind of accepted, you know, like, hmm. there's unless it's something really horrific, which I've seen some, like, really horrific <laughs> responses. But for the most part, it's just kind of like, you can tell somebody, like, they suck, and you're just like, all right, well, it's part of the gig. Yeah. It's like, what the heck? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so, one, one of the things that, um, that I've always found fascinating is that there's a... I feel like there is a is a real correlation between wrestling and comic books because I, I feel like they're similar um, storytelling aspects, um, certainly in uh, larger-than-life characters. Um, how, um, how does that speak to you? Do you, do you think there's a through line between um, uh, comic book fandom and wrestling fandom? I think they're incredibly similar yeah. uh, in almost every aspect. And again, because like when you're you're reading comics, you're being invested in these characters, and you're kind of living vicariously through them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason like even superhero movies nowadays have like that mass appeal, is it's that idea of like somebody just like who's human but but better. Yeah. And so there's kind of that appeal there because everybody wishes they had superpowers, and it's like you know everybody's had a conversation like if you had a superpower, what would you have? And everybody picks their whatever. And being a wrestler like you kind of get that that freedom to have your own pseudo superpower if you like. Yeah. Like yeah. the great Muda had like the green mist. Right. And that was kind of like his thing. And everybody's accepted like that's that's okay. Yeah. He just spits poison mist like out of some <laughs> gland in his throat and everybody's like, yeah, it makes sense, right? Or like, you know, Hogan could start hulking up. Like a man could just get beat up so bad in a fight right. that he would just stop feeling pain. Mm-hmm. And that was like his superpower. And people like get emotionally invested in that. And especially because we're we're both telling stories in kind of a similar fashion. Like, comic books are told, like, panel by panel, and, like, there's a little bit of dialogue, but a lot of it, like, a lot of the context you gather is from the visual aid. And then wrestling's that same way, where, like, once the bell rings, that story's really being told through a visual medium, and there's very little talking going on. Mm -hmm. It really is just what we can convey with our bodies. Yeah. 
that's a great point because I mean, sure, you'll have you know kind of like a, a degree of narration through ring announcing and things like that. But outside of like you know doing promo, you don't necessarily have the opportunity to be like you know I I you know real storyline within the ring. Um, I, I hadn't thought of it that way, that there's, there's a lot of storytelling just within the actual match itself with very little dialogue, almost kind of like a silent movie, I guess. A little bit, yeah. And you're just seeing these like superhuman feats, the guys getting pressed over their head or like doing a double front flip or like whatever it may be. You're like closing a guy and he, he flips head over heels and like all these really superhuman feats. And so like to me, like they parallel very well. And I always think it's interesting that in comic books, you don't see a lot of people whose, like, backstory is, like, they're a pro wrestler. Right. But I always feel like, too, maybe it's, it's like, a little too on the nose. Like, like you're almost basically just telling the same thing. <laughs> Where it's like, well, he already had tights and a name and a secret identity. Uh, he's already really good at fighting. Mm -hmm. So, I guess he's a little stronger now? Like, right. Like, there really wouldn't be a whole lot to it. Like, because even in fighting games, like, nobody's yeah. ever, like, a pro wrestler. Like, King from Tekken is kind of, like, the only one. That's true. That's a good point. And again, because I feel like it's, like, it's too on the nose. But, mm -hmm. like, Jimmy Jacobs said this once. It made perfect sense where, like, uh, wrestling is, like, is a little bit like everything. Mm -hmm. But they're, I'm probably phrasing it wrong. But there's nothing that's like wrestling. But wrestling is like so many things. Like, it's like comic books. Yeah. It's like yeah. theater. It's like music, you know. But you would never go, well, music's kind of like wrestling. Or, like, you know, like, doing stand-up's kind of like wrestling. Right, right. Now, uh, we were just talking a, a moment ago about, you know, origin stories and, and where uh, folks come from. What's, uh, what's Ethan H.D.'s origin story? Uh, so, I was born in Chicago. Okay. Um, and then kind of moved over here when I was a kid mm. and kind of still love Chicago like in a weird in a weird way like it's still where I'm from yeah you know and so there is kind of that like there's something about being born in a town that like makes it your town versus being raised in a town yeah. where because if you live in that if you're born in that town nobody ever will kind of go like where are you from? Or if you say something a little off color, nobody's mm -hmm. ever like, oh, that's a little, little out there. But like, if you're from that, if you're just born there, like you're always kind of in and there's never that like, yeah, but there's never that like, yeah. oh, you know, oh, you're from Chicago. Oh, you know what? I see it now. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. you're immediately kind of a little bit of an outsider. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, what drew you into wrestling then? Um, I think it's something I kind of always wanted. Like, I'm incredibly athletic, but I, I hate sports. Okay. Like, I tried playing soccer as a kid. I did a little gymnastics, and it was just like, organized sports were not for me. But I'm, like, fairly athletic. Like, I'm well-conditioned. I'm fairly strong. I can do backflips, car wheels, all sorts of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm very coachable. But it was just the idea of, like, hey, we're all going to go do this today, whether you feel like it or not. And so... I think the fact that I was athletic, and as a kid, I was an only child and kind of a ham. <laughs> and so sure. I think the two just like met at that perfect intersection of pro wrestling. Because all I ever wanted before that was to be a Power Ranger. And once right. I found out that wasn't like a real avenue, it was like, well, I guess wrestler would be cool too. 
and then getting into like indie wrestling when I was in high school and like seeing these guys like especially smaller guys because mm-hmm. growing up I watched WF and WCW and like sure. besides maybe the odd wrestler here or there everybody was like giant like I'll go back to that but like real quick Road Dog is so tall and if you ask any indie wrestler yeah. who's like extra talent like who met Road Dog he is deceptively tall that just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's awesome. Because <laughs> he always, always tagged with Billy Gunn, who's an even taller guy. Yeah, see, and, and it's so funny when you get folks of, like, equal size and you kind of lose that perspective. You almost need, like, a, a big guy next to a average guy. But, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you got, like, two tall dudes next to each other, it doesn't it doesn't quite play. Yeah, and so, so yeah, so everybody was really big. And then getting into, like, indie wrestling, especially, like, on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Like, for whatever reason, like, I was never interested in, like, the Cali scene. Like, okay. when I was first discovering indie wrestling. And so I was coming across these guys, like, Homicide, Low Key, Amazing Red, um, even some, like, the maybe the lesser-known or lesser-remembered guys, like uh, Deranged, Insane Dragon. Yeah. Um, but all those guys, and they were all smaller guys, and they were doing these cool flips and dives, and I was like, oh, I can do, I can do, at least in my head, I was like, yeah, yeah I yeah. can I can do all that stuff. Like, I can do backflips and stuff. Yeah, all the high-flying stuff, for sure. Yeah, and I'm like, these guys can't be much bigger than I am. So, I mean, not trying to be, like, yeah. be mean or anything, right. but like, I was like, these are, like, realistic-sized guys. Mm-hmm. And if had it not been for them, I don't know if I would have pursued wrestling. Because in my head, like, there was no indie scene out here outside of, like, one company. And they were, I, but, like, yeah. it wasn't the best wrestling and it never came off as, like, wow, these guys are pros. Like, almost all of them wrestled in, like, basketball shorts or, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, modified street clothes. Like, not a lot of guys had gear. Or if they did, it didn't look like gear you would see on TV. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's, yeah, I don't want to, I'm not trying to do that. But then, yeah, when indie, when I saw, like, East Coast Indie Wrestling, like, watching, like, Jersey All-Pro or even, like, uh, was it UCW up in Canada? Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. Matt Cross, Josh Prohibition and, like, all those guys. And so that was when I was like, oh, this is, like, a real thing, like, I could do. And, yeah, I found a local school, got trained there, uh, got lucky, and then Davey Richards took over the school. So I trained with him for quite a bit. And then when he moved out east, I trained with Buddy Wayne, who was a local legend in this area. And he asked any any guy in the last 10, 15 years about Buddy. Like, everybody speaks of him in high regard. And you'd be very hard-pressed to find somebody who would have something negative to say, who wasn't, like, fuller. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, and he did a lot for me, too, just as far as kind of, like, when I was first trained before Davey, I wasn't taught kind of, I guess, the proper avenue of how to, like, work a match. Like, we just practiced a lot of moves or, like, spots. And then training with Davey was cool because we kind of learned some more advanced things. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of all under the guise of, like, well, you already know how to, like, work a match. And so then coming to Buddy and having him, like, break everything down, like, piece by piece, like, yeah. this is what you do, when you do it, why you do it, yeah. cleaning up, like, the footwork and the small things. Mm-hmm. And I think that, more than anything, like, seasoned me to be, like, a real pro. Yeah. Because after that, like, you're you're not doing all these things kind of disjointed or, like, you're taking too many steps. Like, now you're kind of doing everything on beat, everything falls into a rhythm, and you go, like... Ah, I get it now. Yeah. Well, because, like, a match has a certain cadence to it. There are certain steps, and, and again, it's like, like we were talking about earlier with, with story building and storytelling, and it's like you, you've got to hit the certain beats at, at, at the right times. Um, 
So, so that's that's the um, wrestling side. How about um, how about comics? What uh, are, are, do you do you read comics currently, or are you a huge fan? Where uh, where's that fandom come in? I'm a huge fan of comic books. I'm one of the the weird ones. I learned the more I've, I've been around here. Yeah, I'm not one who buys like uh, like whatever comes out like every two weeks. I'm a big fan of like like trades and graphic novels. Oh, okay. Because I always like the the ability to just kind of like how people love to binge watch TV. I always love that ability to just sit down and just binge this entire story arc. Right. And what sucks is sometimes there get, there's a lot of really good stuff that just doesn't come out in the graphic novel. Right. So there's like a bit of a double-edged sword to it. And especially with like smaller companies, mm-hmm. a lot of times like they don't put, they can't put everything in a graphic novel. It's just getting those single issues out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, especially when I was younger, I was really into comics. And then as wrestling kind of took over, it became like, well, you can get comic books or you can get wrestling stuff. And so wrestling stuff always took, like, precedence. Got it. But I was lucky to our school had a few comic books. So I ended up reading some stuff that, like, I don't even know if it was, like, appropriate for school. (laughs) But because, like, it's comic books, like, everybody just assumes it's it's all for kids. So, like, we got, like, some Power Man to Iron Fist stuff. And, like, I know in one of them, he's, like, beating up a pimp. And they're, like, (laughs) talking about, like, prostitutes. And that was, like, in a kid's library. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, as I got older, like, and had my own money, I was like, okay, now I can kind of get back into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, the toughest thing was there wasn't any any shop I'd went to, there was nobody who was ever, like, you know, like, yo, what are you into? You should check this out. It was always, like, you. I would walk in, and they'd be like, without asking anything, it'd be just like, yeah, the new Superman's really cool, you know, you should probably check that out. Yeah. Okay, well, what's what's cool about it? Like... And then when I started coming to Destiny City, and Mike would like, oh, hey, like, what are you into? And I'm like, oh, I like this and this. Oh, there's this author. Like, I love Ed Brubaker stuff. Oh, my gosh. And he put me on to Velvet. Yes. And. That's a great book. <laughs> right? But it's one of those things that, like, had somebody not taken the time to, like, ask, mm-hmm. I never would have probably come across it on my own. Sure. It's, I want to say it's through Image. Image, yeah. Yeah. So it's not, like, anything that gets put like in the forefront right like the forefront is always marvel dc and like i i get it sure but like the the stuff like velvet are the things that like i'm kind of more into mm-hmm. so like even when it comes to like marvel and dc like i'm always a fan of like kind of the lesser knowns like i love moon knight yeah. like that's my dude um daredevil's kind of on the cusp of like like yeah. top of the bottom or like bottom of the top yeah, no, you're right, because, yeah, he's one of those characters that, depending upon the treatment at the time, it's like, yeah, I, I, I think I like him least when he's with the Avengers doing it. And, like, if he shows up for, like, the Crisis crossover or whatever, it's just like, not just I just want to see him beating up pimps on, in, the, in the dank streets of New York. That's kitchen, but... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've got a real soft spot for the, the street-level heroes, you know? You know, Power Man, Iron Fist, Daredevil, Moon Knight, Punisher to an extent. Um, you know, all, all, all kind of like the Marvel Knights gang. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's really cool stuff. Um, awesome. So, um, uh, kind of beat me to it a little bit, because I was going to ask you, at what point... Um, did you discover Destiny City Comics, and what what kind of what kind of drew you in? Um, it was a couple years ago, and I was just wandering around the area. Yeah, just had like some time to kill, just wandering around, and just saw Destiny City Comics, and it was right next to King's Books, and just 
popped in and just checked it out and I liked the vibe of everything. Yeah. I liked that it was more of a comic book store mm-hmm. and it wasn't just like we have comics as a way to show these pop vinyls. You beat me to it. I was going to say in the wall of Funko Pops. And, and I loves me some Funko Pops. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's like, you know, it, it, a lot of uh, quote unquote comic shops doing air quotes on a, on a podcast. But yeah, a lot of like comic shops look like Hot Topic. You yeah. Because it's all just like Funko Pops and statues and collectibles. And it's like, where's the comics? Oh, they're over there in the back. Yeah, right. And I like you walk in and like new releases are right there to your yeah. left. And then, like, there's just tons of cool stuff to peruse and look through. Like, to me, that's where, like, I started coming to Destiny City mm-hmm. is just because, like, it was, like, a real comic book shop. And also, too, they had, like, a lot of, like, independent artists. Yeah. And, like, had a lot of their work. And I'm always very Tacoma-centric. Mm-hmm. Like, if I can do anything that helps out the community or is from, like, a local, like, provider, whatever that may be, I'm, I'm more apt to, to go that route, even if it is a little pricier. Yeah. Just to know that, like, you're not just feeding the big machine or or whatever. But, like, this is going back into the community. And so that was another thing, too, is, like, especially, like, with King's Books being very, like, Tacoma-centric. Absolutely. And, like, Destiny City is the same way. And then I think what really, like, sealed it, sealed it for me was uh, I got a chance to go to and do Pride Walk a couple years ago. And just because of my wrestling schedule, like, I rarely get to. And I, like, I enjoy those events. Um, and I always joke about, like, my favorite thing about going to, like, Pride events is knowing I won't bump in any, bump into anybody I don't want to see. <laughs> sure. Like, you're not going to bump into, like, anybody with, like, a MAGA hat or, like, a Confederate flag. You know, like, there are yeah. always going to be people that are, like, fairly like-minded. Right. And it's just kind of nice to be, like, around those people. Mm-hmm. And so seeing them having a booth there uh, with this guy in, like, full Doctor Doom. And it's, like, in the summer. Oh, my gosh. And had, like, the full Doctor Doom outfit, like, the face mask and everything, cloak. I was like, yo, that's dope. And, like, that's real dedication. Because, like, I'm out here with my shirt off. And this dude's just, like, got layers. That's awesome. Uh, But just seeing that they were, like, supportive of that, too. And it was like, wow, so this is not, like, just a place that's very into my city. Mm -hmm. But also very into the things that I'm into as a person. Right. And so it was just like, okay, this is something I want to support. And so, yeah, anytime I would run out of reading material, I I would just swoop back through. And just, like, you know, what's what's new? What's good? Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, without fails, always pointed in the right direction. And and that's the thing that is the most special about your local comic shop, your LCS. You know, it's it's your uh, local independent business, and um, it's a connection that you can't get from an algorithm. You know, it's a, it's a it's a connection that you can't get from your internet or even even like your large book retailers. Uh, there's always been something special about the connection between uh, the the proprietor of the comic shop and the customer. Some of my very favorite books I have been hand sold by my uh, my comic shop person. They're like 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 the experience you were mentioning earlier with Velvet. It's like you know there's this there's this crazy space opera. Um, it's kind of weird. It's hard to describe, but I think you're gonna dig it. Here's a copy of Saga, and I'm like, yeah, it's. I mean that book is amazing, but I would not have bought it had my um, uh, shop owner put it in my hand and say, Mike, you got to try this out. This is, this is going to be something special. So it's, uh, it, it's, and, and that's 
honestly, that that's the reason why we're all kind of here and kind of, for lack of better term, kind of trying to to uh, get excited and wrap our arms around you and Stephanie trying to save Destiny City Comics because it is, you know, it's a, it's a local, it's an independent, it's an ally, it's it's you know, it, it's a great shop. Um, my uh, my first experience uh, coming here was uh, was a couple of years ago. Uh, Kevin Smith did a signing here, oh yeah, and, and an appearance, and um, it was really cool because like um, he was kind of posted up in the show. He he was doing a couple shows at uh, Tacoma Comedy Club, so uh, basically like they they came to some kind of agreement. They posted him up in the shop. And basically, the entire queue was all through here in King's Book, so it was all back <laughs> and around. So, um, I, I I like the perspective of making line buddies. You know, folks you're in line with for a really long time, and but we're just checking out the shop as we go. It's like, oh, check that out. Oh, check that out. And um, and yeah, so it was. It, I I think it created an opportunity for a new audience that wasn't familiar with the shop before. And, you know, and I've, I've popped in um, a handful of times and grabbed stuff. And it's, it's always, um, it's always a really great experience. Um, so I guess with that, um, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. I, I guess in a, what, what was the, the motivating factor for you and Stephanie to say like, let's do this. We we want to get into the comics business, and really, I guess what what's kind of that experience been like as you're kind of kind of doing uh, uh, the transition work on that. Um, I think the biggest thing is like was when they he posted a, on Instagram and Facebook that the shop was closing. Yes, and I sat on it for like maybe two days. Okay, and I was like kind of like. Well, maybe we could do, like, a charity wrestling thing or something like that or, like, yeah. some of those lines. But, like, those are so hit or miss, you know? Like, you get a good one, but you can get a bad one where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, here's a check for 200 bucks. Yeah. And then I remember texting her, like, that, I think, like, two days later, I texted her in the morning, and she just left for work. And I was like, hey, if I wanted to buy Destiny City Comics, like, how would you feel about that? And she's like, well, you know, no matter what, I'll support you. She's always been supportive of all this mm-hmm. weird, crazy stuff I do. <laughs> and so, like, I, like, immediately, like, messaged Mike, got a reply, and then just messaged back, cool, we're meeting, I think I said, like, tomorrow afternoon. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Because, yeah, it's closing on the 31st. Yeah. So, like, there wasn't a lot of time to, like, really sit down and things. It was kind of like, we're just going to move forward, and mm-hmm. then we'll just tackle things, like, as they, as they happen. But to me, it was just, like, kind of looking around at, like, how many, like, small businesses are left in Tacoma that, like, are kind of pillars of the community. Right. Like, ETC is closing. And they're, like, a clothing store um, just off Pacific, basically at the end of Pacific yeah, Avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just announced they're, they're going under. And so things like that, like, it's tough because, like, there are a lot of times people will, will happily hand that retail space over to a bigger business. Right. Which I get is like in their eyes is more of a sure thing, but you're kind of homogenizing your city the more you you do that, mm-hmm. and especially a city like Tacoma, which is a very to me a very proud city. Yes, because there's always that reaction of like, oh, you live in Tacoma? Wait, what? What part? And it's like, no, I'm from Tacoma, like bro, like I live near Hilltop, like I don't. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you know, come at me. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but so it's definitely like kind of a, a, a sense of pride being from here. Yeah. So like something that's very Tacoma centric, I was like, yo, this has to stay. And just looking at like the other comic shops nearby and not to speak, not to speak ill of them. They're, they're great sure, comic sure. shops, but there's nothing. They're not providing the same thing. Destiny city is, mm-hmm. which is kind of that community outreach. Yeah. And that forum for independent artists. And so to me, like, especially being kind of an independent artist myself, like wrestling's arguably an art form. I feel like it is. Yeah, yeah. Some people will argue and be wrong about it. Well, and like we talked about earlier, there, there's a lot of that connective tissue there between the world of wrestling and the world of comics. So, yeah, it's, it's right there. And so that was another thing, too, is like, it just, this is an avenue for independent artists that needs to stay because nobody else is going to give people this platform. And so to me, it was just very imperative that Destiny City stay open. And so I think those were all like the real deciding factors. And Mm -hmm. then kind of like at the tail end of it was like, whoa, yo, so we're going to own a business. (laughs) Right? So, (laughs) And that's a little different than than being on the road and being on the hustle and... And, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, things that go with that. There's, you know, like there, there's taxes, there's business, there's grown-up stuff. Yeah. It was like I was telling you, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but like, like if somebody hands me 20 bucks for like a shirt at a show, like I don't file that in my taxes. Right. Like I just file that in my wallet. <laughs> so this is like kind of a whole new thing now where it's like, yeah. oh God, like I have to really file taxes and like do a lot of adult things. And I'm very lucky that my wife is way smarter than I am, even if I hadn't taken all the blows to the head. But just way smarter with numbers yeah. and being analytical and just, like, all the real businessy stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm just like, yeah, I know where that is. Right. Like, so I think, like, we work well together. Like, we both kind nice. of make up for where, where the other kind of leaves off. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, there's no way I'd be able to pull this off without her. Like, and I honestly, like, she also was kind of a deciding factor in, like, we could take this over because like i'm dumb and like i know i can't like by myself run a business oh yeah but i was like but like i know a few people and she knows how numbers work it's like we could we could together we could make this work (laughs) but yeah it's just been like a crash course in business like this last week that's that's amazing. I I'm uh, I'm really excited for you guys. Um, it, it sounds like it's uh, it's going to be a, a cool new challenge. Um, but all of that I, gu- I guess was building towards the thing I gotta ask is what would you guys do with the business? Like, are are you going to run the shop any differently, or is it going to be pretty much the same? Or are there going to be uh, changes? What 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 does the new Destiny City Comics look like? Yeah, so one of the one of the first things I wanted to do is kind of keep the shop the way it is, like at least for for now, mm-hmm. because again, like there's nothing about the store that I really inherently want to change. Yeah, I just want to keep it around. And then I kind of visited like some of the local comic book shops, and I feel super bad that I cannot remember the name of of her business. But Gabby at um, it's something Cards and Comics, Olympic Cards oh, and in Comics in Olympia. In, in, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And and Lacey. Lacey, not Olympic yes. in Lacey. Yes, no uh, mistake. And and Mike actually told me that like you should talk to her. And so we like immediately just, like jumped in our car. And just, we just went and, t- and met her, her husband. And one of the things I liked, and one of the things that sold me on her before I even met her, is Mike was talking about how like kids would come in there and like eat like soda and candy and things like that. And she was like, well, these kids need more than that. And actually set up like a healthy lunch program for them. Wow. And I meet. I was like, yo. 
I want to find a way to do that or something in that vein. Uh-huh. And so like that immediately resonated. So I went down, talked to her and she's like, a big part of it is just being a safe place for kids and like just somewhere kids can go and like do homework and stuff. Uh-huh. And so a big part of that too is like, she does like magic tournaments and Warhammer and Yu-Gi-Oh and things like that. Yeah. And so it gives kids kind of a, not that they don't have a reason to go there, but it gives them like something to be involved in uh-huh. and something to be involved with, which like, for some kids is really helpful. Like, especially if you're super awkward, you know, at school, having kind of this community outside of school and having like a calling there where you like, you know, these are people that are into the same stuff you're into mm-hmm. helps a lot. And so I think one of the, f- the few changes I really want to make is doing something in that vein of like Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments or magic, yeah. the gathering or something. And kind of like, I mean, anybody who wants to play can come and play, mm-hmm. but to kind of like treat Destiny City as kind of like this spot for kids that can just come and hang out. Like if you don't yeah. have anything to do after school. And so we do want to put in like a little reading nook as well. Cause that was another thing Gabby has. Cause that's a couple couches set up. Yeah. You can just walk, grab something off the shelf. You can read it and it's, it's totally cool. Don't, don't freak out about it. You know, just put it back when you're done. Yeah. And to me, that was such a cool thing. And she was just like, but, like, all that stuff, like, sums her up. Because, like, the second we told her, like, yeah, we're about buying Destiny City, all that, was just super, well, like, welcoming and, like, open and warm about everything. And it was like, hey, here's some phone numbers. If you need any help, you know, don't be afraid to call and introduce me to some people. And, like, just all just, just wandered in her store, said, hey, I, I know somebody you know. And it was like, great. And just gave me all of this help and, like, yeah. kindness. And so I do want to take some of the things that she's doing for her community and move that over to Destiny City mm-hmm. and and kind of do that same thing as well. So I think those are the changes I think I'd want yeah. to make. I think otherwise we'll probably be pretty comic-centric. Like, okay. like we're kind of joking. I don't want like a wall of pop vinyls and like <laughs> all this other stuff. Like I want it to be mostly just comic books because yeah. that's what I love. So would you continue to carry uh, new issues? Because I, I, I know unfortunately some of the issues that, that Mike has been struggling with is with the distributor. Um, do you anticipate being that an issue going forward? Is that something that you would be dealing with? Cause like I, I've run into other shops also that don't even deal with that distributor. They're, they're just like, you know, we'll just, we'll just get our stuff elsewhere or just kind of reconfigure their shop. I mean, ideally I would like to go through that same distributor just because of the, the ease of it, mm-hmm. because it is kind of a one-stop shop for everything. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who like come to Destiny City like for their subscriptions and things like that sure, and their sure. polls. So I'd love to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a cool part of the culture. Gotcha. Um you know, and as far as I can tell, like just talking to, like Gabby and a few other people, like it's still feasible. Okay. So I don't I don't look at that as being an issue. Okay, great. I mean if it is, we'll just I guess we'll just tackle it as we <laughs> as we get there. Yeah. But, yeah, I would love to, especially because for me, like, I don't read things as they come out. Like, I haven't read any of Powers of X yet. Right. Like, I'm, I will patiently sit there and just, like, wait for them to put it all in one book. Yeah. But, you know, like, obviously, like, if I'm at the store, like, I got time and it's already there. Like, yeah, I would love to just, like, sit through and start reading that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But, yeah, I definitely want to get new stuff coming back in and just being that, sh- that stop. Because, again, like, having people just know this is a spot they come every two weeks or every couple weeks and just building that rapport with people. Yeah. And just saying, like, hey, I know you read a lot of this. I just came across this, or this just came in. I think it'd be great for you. You know, and just being genuinely helpful. 
Yeah, like that dynamic we were talking about earlier, yeah. you know, and hand selling and things like that. That's that's awesome. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, so for for your various gigs, you travel a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, um, who's going around the shop? Um, so my wife has been been very kind to step up, and on okay. like the the times I'm gone, to kind of step up and like she'll run things while I'm out of town. Mm -hmm. um, Although I am going to cut back on wrestling bookings a bit. Okay. Just for the time being. Just because it's a lot to juggle. And it would just be nice to be relatively close to home. Yeah. For these, like, first few months. Um, I mean, I'll still take some outside bookings and things like that. But yeah. it, ideally, everything will be kind of, like, from Vancouver, Canada to, like, Salem, Oregon-ish okay. in that area. Where I can be there and back in a day. Gotcha. Um but yeah, she'll be handling the shop. And then I've talked to a few people who've been pretty cool about wanting to help out. Mike's even offered to help out. and nice. and work Because again, like he doesn't want to abandon it. You know, right. It's his baby. You know, and I think a big part of it too was kind of like getting hit, like the green light from him that uh -huh. like, you know, this is cool. Like go ahead and, and move in and do your own thing. Because mm -hmm. he easily could have just said like, eh, it's my thing. I don't want to sell it. Or like right. I'll sell it, but call it something else. But yeah. the fact that he was like, you can keep the name Destiny City if you want, to me was like perfect. Cause like that's really cool. Yeah, like that that name has equity with people, mm -hmm. and I don't mm -hmm. want people either to think like when we when we move in that like everything's changed. Right. Like we want to like keep that culture mm -hmm. going. Like what the company stands for now, it'll continue to stand for as we move in. Right. So I don't want there to be that question of like, oh, you just bought them out and you're doing your own thing now. Right. Well, and that's why I asked about uh, changes because uh, you know, as as we've already discussed, you know, the uh, the shop is you know a huge ally for the LGBTQ uh, uh, creator community, and um, I know that's that's important for a, a for a landmark uh, area like this in Tacoma. So mm -hmm. it'd be cool to uh, make sure that that's that's still a um, safe place for um, for that. Um, so. So the Indiegogo ends on uh, Tuesday, the 15th, if I remember correctly? Yep, it'll end on October 15th. Very good. Basically, how how does that wrap up? So, like, like I, I noticed, for example, like, you have, a, um, you have a specific goal on there. And is it one of those things where, similar to, like, a Kickstarter, it's like an all-or-nothing type of goal? Or how um, how how does that work? Um, so it's not an all or nothing. So for this, like our goal is to hit twelve thousand, mm -hmm. because twelve thousand is kind of where like at that point we can take a significantly smaller loan right. and get a much better interest rate on it. So that's like twelve hundred. Like seems kind of an odd number, mm -hmm. but it also like that's like the perfect point where like there's no sweat at all for like oh, for yeah. for us. Okay taking over as far as like getting the rest of the money for the loan mm -hmm. um but anything like under that whatever it closes out at mm -hmm. we'll still receive that money and okay. that'll still go to like placing that first order and like yeah. all the other things that'll come with moving in mm -hmm. um but yeah we just means we'll have to take like a significantly higher loan sure which i mean it sucks but yeah. it's also like still reasonable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it won't be whether we hit our goal or not we're we're still intending on buying the store. Understood. It's just like how much pressure is there going to be 
buying the store. <laughs> yeah, well, because I, I was um, I was talking about uh, the um, the campaign with a friend of mine, and they were just like, well, what happens if they don't meet their goal? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should ask. <laughs> um, but, it, but it seemed like that that was kind of what your and Stephanie's attention was anyway, you know, that, that you were going by the store uh, regardless. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity for us here in the community to help you guys to make sure that the, the transition is as smooth as possible and to keep uh, the doors of Destiny City Comics uh, open for many for uh, uh, for many a day to come, <laughs> um, and all the cool programs. And I'm really excited about some of the uh, the changes you were talking about with regards to like the kids' reading area. And I, I think it'd be really cool, you know, just to, uh, you, nothing makes me happier than kids in a comic shop. Yeah, because it's just <laughs> like you know, and, and and I'm a I'm a regular comics reader. I go in there like on Wednesday, and it's all folks that look like me. And I'm just like, you know, oh, man, it's like, I, I just wish, and maybe this is, this is way off topic, but I wish that, like, the folks that are so into the movies would go into the comic shops and say, hey, I really like that Avengers movie. What what do you got on the shelf that's equivalent to that? And it just, for some reason, it just doesn't quite happen. I guess they're just two different audiences. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, movies are always going to be slightly more popular. It's just easier to take in. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, like, it's easier to go see a movie with somebody yeah. and have something to talk about versus, like, if you read a book, you're kind of just reading it by yourself and hoping you bump into people yeah. who also read it. I know that Destiny City does kind of like a book club as well, mm-hmm. and I think that's a Mike thing, so that'll probably, he'll probably still run that. Okay. Um, but I would love to do something like that even with just kids. Mm-hmm. Like, just kind of have, like, a youth book club and just pick, like whoever for the month you mm-hmm. know and and run with that and then at the end of that month you know hey maybe somebody can pick something else and we'll we'll read that for the month and then kind of reconvene everybody gets a chance to kind of get everybody on the same page with what they're into mm-hmm. um too and i think it also just fosters conversation because everybody everybody likes certain comics for different reasons like some people like love superman just because he is like that that truth justice in the american way but then somebody else might go like, "Oh, y'all like Superman too, but like, we should read like the Red Sun though." Oh my god, yeah. And you get like people are kind of like into that like anachronistic kind of history thing. Yeah. And it's like a whole different kind of geekiness, but it's their way of expressing it mm-hmm. in a way that like other people can understand, versus just trying to like talk to them about like Russian history. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So it gives people those that outlet there. Mm-hmm. So I would love to do something like that for sure. I mean. I didn't realize how many how many kids actually came here until like I hung out here for like a full day. Yeah. Because I'm normally just in and out real quick. Sure, sure. And so like seeing how many kids like come in, it was like, yo, this needs to be like a thing. And like, there's this cool moment too where this guy had come in. And he was like, yeah, I'm just looking for some comics for my daughter. Like she started like getting into the Marvel movies and stuff like that. And he's like, I know about like Catwoman and Harley Quinn. Yeah. And I was like, and me and my I think both had the same thing. We're like, oh, that's really like. Like, Harley Quinn's, like, not that it's not for girls, but it's, like, Harley Quinn's for guys. Yeah. Like, like so there's that. And then, yeah, Mike was, like, um, you should get into the uh, Mighty Thor with Jane Foster. Like, that would be a good one for her. And then I kind of threw out there, it was, like, well, Kate Bishop as Hawkeye. There it is. And it worked because they were characters she was familiar with from the movies. But yeah. it was her being represented in the stories. Mm-hmm. And so, like... Moments like that, too, were also, like, 
kind of make me want to like kind of encourage me to keep going with this yeah just to create more moments like that so instead of her like her dad coming home and be like yo so i got like <laughs> everything with cleavage on it yeah it's um, like where are her pants <laughs> yeah because it was full-blown like the dad bra shopping being like i don't know what what an underwire is yeah i, I just know it she needs one cup for each one <laughs> And so, but being able to kind of like step in and be like, this is probably more yeah. going to be down her alley. Yeah. Rather than like Harley Quinn. Right. So, I, yeah, I think like stuff like that is like kind of what makes me want to do this. Very cool. Um, so we're, uh, we're chatting with pro wrestler Ethan HD. We are hanging out in uh, the uh, meeting area. Um, I don't know what you would call this, uh, little cove in, uh, in King's Books, directly next door to Destiny City Comics. Uh, we're chatting about uh, the Indiegogo for uh, uh, he and his wife Stephanie to uh, your opportunity to help them uh, buy the store and keep the store open and uh you can get all kinds of cool uh, uh perks along the way you've got some uh, uh pride flavored uh, uh destiny city stickers you got uh, the mystery bags which i love the mystery bags by the way that was uh um that that's something that mike's done in the past uh, just for fun and and yeah you get you get some pretty cool stuff in there but yeah you also have the mystery box with a with a couple hundred uh comics in there so if you're looking to uh, uh fill out your um, uh, collection and kind of add to it and find some uh, uh, goodies and gems in there as well. Um, so I um, I got a handful of questions from uh, some of my listeners. Um, got a couple more minutes to hang around and, and ask some stuff. Absolutely, cool. All right. So uh, this is uh, this is from my buddy uh, Steve Strout at the Steve Strout. Oh, okay, um, okay, yeah. no, Steve. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a great dude, and he uh, he actually kind of helped me out a lot when um, he he was one of the folks I mentioned earlier. You're like, oh yeah, no, uh, Ethan HD. He's he's the real deal. He's, <laughs> he's 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 a he's a great guy. You're gonna love talking to him, and it's really exciting that he's stepping up to uh, uh, by the shop. But he um, uh, one of the things that he asked is. Um, um, ask about some of the names he's worked with and who he thinks the top guys are in the region. Um, I'm assuming he's talking about wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so I've worked with quite a few names, I guess names being like, somebody who's just famous in wrestling, sure, well-known sure. in wrestling. Um, I think one of my my personal favorites has been Gangrel. I think okay, yeah. partially because, like, not to date him, but like I grew up watching him. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it was kind of like surreal, like, wrestling him. But also just, like, growing up watching him, like, I knew he was good. He was, like, he was in the WWF. He's got to be good. But, like, wrestling him, you're like, yo, like, he can go. Like, I started wrestling him when I was, I think the first time I wrestled him was, like, 25, 26. And he was, like, in his 40s. And this dude was keeping up with me, like, beat for beat. Like, and especially just when I broke in a lot of the older wrestlers in the area, like, or just older wrestling in general, like, they would show up, get paid, do, like, the bare minimum. Yeah. And then bounce. And then wrestling with him, and he's like, yo, clothesline me on the floor. <laughs> like, all this wild stuff. And I was just like, he, like, really wants to go. Yeah. Like, that was really cool. Um, Fit Finley was fun. I wish Fit Finley taught me to be more confident. Mm. I feel like in wrestling, when you first break in, you're told, you know, just sit down, shut up, you know, like, mouth closed, ears opened. Yeah. And it's yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. And so, like, when I was wrestling for Finley, he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, whatever you'd like to do, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll do that. And he's like, well, like, well, what are some things you do? 
And I was like, ah, I do some kicks and stuff. But I was very not confident in just telling them, yo, these are my moves, uh, this is my shtick, all this stuff. Yeah. So it's like a decent match. He's, he's a great wrestler. But looking back on it, it's like, man, if I had just told him, like, yo, this is what I do, these are my things, let's make this work, it would have been a much better match. And since then, I was like, I just realized you just got to be confident with, like, those guys. And if they're a pro, they'll tell you, like, nah, I don't want to do that or nah, I don't feel comfortable. But most guys who are real pros are like, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Sounds good. Because it's less for them to figure out. So I love that Fit Finley match, but I always cringe watching it. Yeah. Because I know how much better it could have been. And that all of that lied on me. That, like, Fit Finley more than held up his end. Um, Mustache Mountain was amazing. Um, and Trent Seven is so underrated. He might be genuinely, like, one of the smartest people I've ever met as far as, like, just knowing how to piece together things. And, like, I was blown away mm-hmm. by just, like, how how quick he, like, understood things. He could piece things together. And it was like, yeah, we do this, this, and this. Great, you do this. He put together these all these sequences and things. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And it was very giving. Like, let us get all our stuff in. Like, there was no, like, oh, I don't want to take that. Or, like, just kind of like, yo, this is what we do. Uh, we'll kind of, like, drop your stuff in wherever. Like, we, like created this thing like from scratch like it yeah. wasn't like this is our formula here you guys come in and do this thing like and it was just really cool like watching a piece all that together and kind of like explain why and how and like well take your time here let this breathe mm-hmm. all the little things too that like nobody ever like tells you and that like just going over all that stuff like they might have had been one of my favorite matches and because of like <laughs> paperwork and reasons uh-huh it's not where they weren't allowed to put on any of the streaming services because they're contracted by wwe oh so that match happened for the live audience and that's like it wow. like it is not available and it's one of my favorite matches and it like drives me up the wall mm-hmm. that like it was for that one night yeah and it kind of just like never again so and it's not like they told you on the front end it was going to be a dark match right well, it wasn't a dark match. It was in the middle of the show. Oh. So they recorded the whole show. Uh-huh. And I believe it's on tape somewhere. Like, somebody oh, has a copy okay, of it. okay, But because they work for NXT, they're not allowed to be on, like, streaming services. Sure. So that match is only for the live audience. Got it. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a cool thing. And uh-huh. we knew that going in. Like, oh, okay, okay. And, like, me and Mike always joke, kind of, like, <laughs> when the we're, like, you're wrestling contracted guys. Like, you know who's going over. Like... It kind of goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, not, nobody's complaining about, like, oh, I have this epic match with these guys, but, oh, dude, I gotta lose. Like, nobody cares. I mean, right. I shouldn't say nobody cares. There's people out there who do care. Mm-hmm. But if you're a real pro, you don't care. Right. Like, well, it, it's for the product, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it, it, like we're t- we keep talking about storytelling and, mm-hmm. and story building and world building. And, yeah, it's all, it's all in service of the product. Yeah, and I would rather lose a great match than win an awful one. Yeah, yeah, also. sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> so I have no qualms about that. So, um, so, uh, uh, so Steve brought up another point. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but I came up with another angle to to talk about it. Um, so he he wanted to wanted me to ask about the parallels between wrestling and comic books. And obviously we talked about that um, a little bit earlier, but I guess uh, the thing that occurred to me as we were talking here is that, you know, there's obviously a, a really vibrant independent wrestling scene that I don't think has always been there. 
much like there's uh, there's a healthy indie comic scene that uh, Destiny City, amongst others, really support. Um, is there a compare and contrast between, um, say, independent wrestling and WWE, and say like you know Marvel, DC, and like Image and like other other indies? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the coolest things to being uh, an independent artist mm -hmm. is that there's no one to tell you how to create your art. There is nobody saying like, hey, we need you to do this to hit this demographic or we're trying to reach this region. As an independent artist, you kind of just make your art however you like it mm -hmm. and then whoever likes it, likes it. Like, it, if you write a great a song that's from the heart mm -hmm. and everybody loves it, great and maybe you write a song it's from the heart and nobody likes it cool but that entire creative process which is already frustrating enough yeah. just creating any kind of art because it's a part of you and so you're putting a little chunk of yourself out there to be judged yeah but it's already a stressful enough process and then to be told like okay well can you make this person this way or like can you make this guy this way you know all these little things like there's this um it's a little off topic Sure. There's a uh, this guy Dylan Marin, who I found through like the Welcome to Night Vale podcast and things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he has a YouTube series mm -hmm. called um, Oh God, I already forgot the name of it. But essentially the the series is oh, it's called Every Word Spoken. Okay. And he takes a movie and he files it down to every word spoken by a person of color. And they're not movies that are like specifically set in any one region where like mm -hmm. people should be predominantly like white. And then you'll like watch this movie and it'll be over in like a minute and you'll be like, yo, that's all the dialogue. And he yeah. talks about being an actor where if a character doesn't have their ethnicity listed, that's a white character. Yeah. And there's no point in auditioning for that because you're not going to change their mind. But because like they're like that, they know that's the market they want to hit. Like I always kind of joke too that like nobody, nobody agreed that Jessica Alba was uh, Hispanic until she was in Machete. Or, like, there, nobody knew if The Rock was black or Samoan until, like, Fast and the Furious. And he was, like, in somebody's phone as, like, Samoan Thor. And you're like, oh, he's Samoan now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you like you feel like you have to be marketed to, like, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I feel like when you're doing something for the mainstream, you might be the, the best person for the job. But if you're not that exact thing that they want, yeah. then you're you're out of the equation. Like you're not, the op opportunity isn't there to create that. You know, it was like whenever he freaked out over black James Bond, right. like you were selling taking over. You can't have a black James Bond. There's literally no reason why you can't. Right. But like that pushback you don't get as like an independent artist. Yeah. And I think okay. that's the beauty of it is like, you're making your own work. Like if you want your, your main hero to be like a, a trans woman, mm -hmm. there's no one to tell you no. But if you went to, like, D.C. and said, like, I think the new Wonder Woman should be a trans woman, they'd be like, whoa, whoa, wait, we got a, all this to do, and, like, yeah. there's all this mythos and backstory, and, like, it would it would be so many no's, and the fight to get there, even if you got it, there would be so many things you would have to, to change or yeah. kind of cave in on a little bit, versus, like, just being independent artists and saying, yo, this is what I want to do. Like, one of my favorite comics to read right now, it's by Aftershock Comics, mm -hmm. called Alters. Okay. And the main hero is Chalice, who's a trans woman who's uh, transitioning. Um, I guess not transitioning, but I'm so bad with the jargon. I feel <laughs> terrible about it. 
but it, but started taking hormone therapy okay. to to transition into I guess looking more like a woman mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. being more who she is, right. and at the same time she's discovering powers and that she has superpowers. Okay. And heroes in that universe are are kind of looked at as as odd and strange because most people in that universe with superpowers don't use them, and the people that do usually use them for bad, like mm-hmm. to like rob banks and things like mm-hmm. that. So. They're not viewed in a negative light, but there's nothing inherently negative about being a superhero. It's just like that's the stigma they've put on them, right. and they parallel like her discovering her powers along with her like taking hormone therapy and like truly transitioning to like who she is on on the inside, being who she is on the outside, yeah. and like trying to explain to her parents that and like the, you know like that navigating all these weird waters, like yeah. telling her best friend who's a guy, like hey. You know, like, being afraid to say that, because you don't want to throw away this whole friendship. But then if you're not true to yourself, you're not, this friendship's a lie either way. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part is when she, like, finally comes forward and goes, hey, you know, superhero, whatever, but also I want you to know, like, I'm I'm, I'm trans. Like, I'm, I'm transitioning to, into being yeah. a woman. And the panel starts with him going, man, all this time I thought I had a brother. And then you flip it, he goes... Turns out all this time I had a sister. <laughs> but it's such a cool yeah. moment, yeah. right? And it'd be so hard to convince, like, a major comic book label to let you do that. Right. Right. And especially if you wanted to do that, like, in an established comics comics line. Yeah. Well, and, and I think even now with the larger companies, if, if, like, let's say Marvel wanted to be brave enough to do something like that, You'd you'd have you'd have the freaking mega trolls coming out also because yeah. it would make news it would be con- and it would it would take away from what the story is trying to tell which is something very intimate and personal and important it would just get lost in the headlines and um, so yeah it's I, I I agree with you I think that that's um, what you can do in the indie scene and it's it's pretty cool not having somebody over your shoulder saying like eh, do more better yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. um, so one thing, one thing I want to bring up, my, uh, my buddy, Nick, uh, uh, package man for real. Oh, Nick's uh, the man. Yeah, Nick is yeah. the cool. And actually I got to give Nick a shout out because like I, um, um, so I saw the posts from, uh, destiny city, but I think it was from him retweeting it from his around Seattle account mm-hmm. that I think I saw your Indiegogo first. I probably would have seen it eventually, but he he was just like, yeah. It, it's kind of funny because like Nick has has guided me a couple times to where it'd be like, no, you you want to talk to this guy? He, he's he's good people. Ethan, Ethan HD is good people. <laughs> Got, you know, try to see, and I'm like, yes, because I love Destiny City Comics and I want to try to help. So yeah. So anyway, so so shout out shout out to Nick for being uh being an awesome dude. Um, but he uh, uh one of the things that he noticed is that uh you've been um. Uh, rocking the uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Captain Danvers jacket, and um, that's um, that's kind of a polarizing character anymore. Depending upon um, who you talk to, some people really rally to them, and and other folks like some of those red hat folks we were talking yeah. about earlier. Um, but um, uh, what is it about that 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 character that makes you want to rock the colors? Um, I think I, one I've I've always dug the new Cap Carol Danvers Captain Marvel more than so than like the Miss Marvel. Though I love Kamala Khan as sure. Miss Marvel. Yeah. But to me like kind of giving her that not gender specific name. Which is not Miss Marvel, she's Captain Marvel. Yeah. 
and just kind of putting forth that like yo sh like a woman could be a captain like to me that's very cool and i think the tulik it kind of tackles like some of the like yo you're a girl kind yeah. of things as well and her just being like well you know screw you whatever i'm i'm gonna do me mm -hmm. but also i feel like sometimes there's like this weird stigma that like if you're a guy you can't like be a fan of like female heroes right like you never see a guy wearing like a wonder woman shirt right with some exceptions but with yeah, some ex yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, there's no, some guys right. who do yeah, for, for the most part like you know you'll be more apt to see somebody wearing superman or or batman or spider-man or something like something that ends in man yeah more so than than wonder woman um and i just mentioned it that way because a, a good friend of mine uh a hunter he it, wonder woman is his favorite character and the first day i met him he was rocking a wonder woman <laughs> and i'm like oh we're gonna be pals <laughs> because it, it's just like it, it's you don't see it it's you don't see it and it's kind of special when you do yeah and so i kind of wanted to just say like just take a public statement without making a big deal about it and saying like yo there's nothing wrong with just yeah. wearing like a female superhero stuff mm -hmm. and the jacket just like looked cool and i was already kind of like in the market for something a little more military like yeah and so when i saw that i was like perfect yeah. and but yeah it was just kind of say like yo there's nothing wrong with like wearing like a quote-unquote like I don't know, girl's shirt or, yeah. like, rocking, like, a female hero. Like, nothing wrong with that. Like, It's just a cool design. Yeah. It like, just is. I mean, it's a, it's a cool bomber jacket, I guess. I yeah. Guess. And, like, Carol Danvers is dope. She's, yeah. like, Hal Jordan, but not so hateable. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're absolutely right. Um, so, uh, um, so, let's see. What else did Nick have here? Um, we tackled this a little bit, but um, he said... Uh, um, when the, the transfer of the store happens, transfer of ownership, how long will he spend reading comics to catch up on the storylines he hasn't completed yet? So much time. <laughs> so much time. Yeah. It, it, to me, like, it is kind of the silver lining of getting this whole thing done. Right. It's like, I'm going to have some time to like really sit and like read comics and, mm -hmm. like, and be completely justified in it. And be like, well, I'm not, I'm not just goofing around. Like, this is work. I'm doing research, right? Like, I got I to gotta know what I'm, what I'm selling. You know, you got to sample the product. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that that's what I'm most stoked about is yeah. getting caught up on like I was saying, like on Powers of X and like yeah. things that I don't really get a chance to sit and like uh -huh. read and being able to just have that time to just thumb through them and get caught up. Well, you uh, you mentioned Power Rangers earlier. Um, ha have you seen any of the stuff that Boom Studios is doing with uh, with Rangers? I did. I've good stuff. I've gone through all of Shattered Grid and okay. then all of Into the Grid. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, you know what's up. That, that's yeah. awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so uh, uh, Nick's last question, and this is a really good one. Um, he asks, what's your holy grail item in your collection? Ooh. I don't... So I don't collect comics based on, like, value per se. Sure. Like, I have very few, like, real individual issues. Mm -hmm. Unless it's, like, a full set. Like, I have, like, a full, like, run of Dead Man at home. Oh, nice. Um, I think my favorite is probably uh, I have the uh, the trade of Daredevil's um, Guardian Devil. Oh yeah, yeah, and the, I, the Kevin Smith book. Kevin yep. Smith, yeah, yep. and that's probably like my favorite one. Like that's something I can just kind of go to and sit and read through like time and time again yeah. and just enjoy it. So that's probably I guess my the crown jewel of it. Like that's probably yeah. the one that like I'll always keep. Mm -hmm. Sure, is that one? Gotcha. Um, do you uh, do you collect anything besides comics? 
Um, like any other and any other hobbies? Um, I'm a little bit into retro gaming. Yeah. A lot of it is kind of just buying games that like I wanted as a kid or mm. didn't beat as a kid. Yeah, sure, sure. But I also like have that hard limit of like, like I want if I want a game, there's like a certain limit of like what I'm willing to pay, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not worth what the game's worth. Yeah. So like like Secret of Mana. I was just, that was the yeah. first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> yeah, is one I would love or like Earthbound. Yeah. But like yeah. what it's worth. I wouldn't be willing to kick out, but I'll always like check out garage sales and things like that. Sometimes I'll peruse eBay to see if I can find like yeah. a good deal on it. Um, but I mean, I'm very much into retro gaming. I just have a hard time sitting down and like finding time to play games. Yeah, is the big one. So like I'm I'm the absolute worst at like <laughs> video keeping up on video games um, or even like TV shows. Like I just started watching The Boys. Oh, gotcha. And I'm like I'm a season behind on Preacher, which I'm really big into. And I like the show better than the the comics. Interesting. And like I like Garth Ennis stuff. Yeah. I feel like sometimes Preacher gets a little like too inappropriate. Yeah. Like there's a few like like choice slurs in there. You probably yeah, sure. could have done without or like yep. maybe like muddled. Like uh, there's a run of a firestorm when it's um, Jason. Oh, I forget his name. Roush. Jason Roush. Yeah. And he's going up against these clansmen, and like one of them like yells, and it's like something, the letter N, and then Whoa. like a squiggle, and like I was like, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough to know what's going on, and I feel like Garth Ennis just kind of throws it out there. Yeah. Like he's as liberal with with his language as he is with his violence. Sure. And yeah, that's true. And I appreciate it. And he also has that equity built up, and like he's a genuine author. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, he's yeah. not like some dude, like, this is my first comic, it's independent, and I'm just throwing some <laughs> slurs out, guys. Yeah. Have a good time. Yeah. I'm just, look at me, I'm an edgy. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, no, he's, like you said, I think the word is equity, because he's, he's built up enough uh, through his, not just his mainstream stuff, but his independent stuff as well, to where, you know, you see Garth Ennis at the, at the top you know what you're gonna get but i i do agree with you though there are times like i mean even like some of this punisher stuff i'm like all right yeah. <laughs> all right that's you know, sometimes uh provocative for its own sake isn't always best but yeah i feel like now he's kind of pigeonholed into it yeah. where if it's not like to like towing the line at all times uh -huh. that it's like people are like oh he's gone soft or like <laughs> right. I feel like if like marilyn manson put out an acoustic album <laughs> I was like, I just want to cover Abbey Road, guys. <laughs> I just want to do my own thing. That's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Um, well, as uh, as we get ready to close out, um, I do have a um, uh, couple questions. I ask these of of all of the guests that I talk to, whether they be uh, uh, comics creators, podcasters, authors, professional wrestlers. Um, so what, what I'd like to ask is first. As as a artist, um, an independent artist, what's and these are kind of job interview questions. Also, I forget to mention that on, on the front end. But what what's what's your biggest challenge? I think my biggest challenge is trying never to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like it's so easy to define the things that work, mm -hmm. and then just keep doing those and getting those reactions you're looking for, and kind of just being satisfied off that versus going out and still trying new things and trying different things like one thing i've really taken advantage of this year is i've i've kind of built a bit of confidence with some promoters like i can get away with doing a lot more like kind of comedy wrestling 
than I used to. Okay. And being a little more, a little sillier. And so last weekend I wrestled Kikotaru, who's this, uh, he's, he's big in Japan, he's like a comedy wrestler, his character, he's kind of like a clown. Okay. And I got booked against him. And on paper it's like, if you know me, you know I'm goofy. <laughs> but if you like only see me like curtain to curtain, you're like, okay, he's like, he's a little bit of a hard ass and like, yeah. he's a little aggressive. And so the promoter, uh, Will for Prestige Wrestling was just like, yo, do your thing. Like, and he wasn't like, yo, but protect your character. Like, people that still know you're a tough guy. He was like, be as ridiculous as you want. Mm-hmm. And I went to Kikitaru and I was like, well, I have this idea. Um, this goes back to, like, being confident to picture ideas. Yeah, yeah. Look, I have this idea, and I'd love to do it. And if you don't want to, I get it. I was like, I want to come out and holding my stomach. Like, my stomach really hurts. Mm-hmm. And I want you to, like, tease it. I'm like, oh, please don't. Like, I'm going to poop my pants. And I want the goal of the match to be that you're trying to get me to poop my pants. <laughs> but I was like, but I want the payoff to be that I poop my pants. And what I want to do is poop myself and then reach into my tights and pull out, like, poop on my fingers. Oh, my gosh. And then I'm going to, like, run away afraid. And then I'm going to come back out with, like, new tights on. Okay. And then, like, we'll finish the match. And he was so on board with this. And then he pitched to me, like, once I, like, have the poo on my fingers yeah. to to come after him with it, like, chase yeah, him with it. Yeah. And then he's, like, and then, like, try to, like, put it in my mouth, like, like Mick Foley's mandible claw. Yep, yep, yep. And then he'll turn my hand around, and then he'll try to, like, put it in my mouth. And so we, we just kind of, like, built, like, the first, like, two-thirds of the match around around that. Yeah. And then, like, towards the end, we do, like, the like, the more Kikitaru things. Like, everybody hits each other in the groin. The referee gets hit in the groin. Like. <laughs> but... But yeah, so the whole match is just comedy, start to finish. Like, it's not like a match where sometimes there's like a little comedy at the beginning, and then it gets serious, and it's oohs and ahs. Yeah. We were just going for laughs from, like, curtain to curtain. And it was the first time I'd ever gotten to do that. Or second time. The first time was, like, on, like, this small charity show where, like, nobody was getting paid, so they couldn't tell us, like, what to do and what not to do. <laughs> and that was something I loved, too, was a comedy death patch. Okay. And so... It was, like, all these things, like, we had, like, the balloons they used to make, like, balloon animals, and we treated those like light tubes. So, like, I, like, put some down his shirt and, like, slammed them, and they make the big popping sound. Like, instead of, like, thumbtacks, I had a bag of Tic Tacs. Yeah. So I had, like, the ominous black bag, and, like, when you rattle it, it sounds like tacks, and you dump it out, it says Tic Tacs. That's right. And then I get slammed in it, and he, like, sells it like it's, like, the real tacks. By God, Tic Tacs! (laughs) He got Tic Tacs! (laughs) And then my favorite thing, and this joke was strictly for me, it did not hit at all is we had a barbed wire chair okay but what made it a barbed wire chair is we had the movie poster for the pamela anderson film barbed Barbed wire wire. yeah and so we wedged it in the corner and i got like thrown into it and like the ref had to like unstick my shirt and like and nobody got the joke it was strictly just me and derek drexel the referee i don't know if the guy wrestled fully got the joke Mm -hmm. like i think he knew of the movie yeah but i don't think he knew of the movie until i brought it up to him (laughs) But, like, and I just want to do more things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's something I've never really gotten a chance to do, and I have all these ideas. Mm -hmm. So, I think as, like, an independent artist, like, taking advantage of the fact that, like, I have enough confidence built up with most promoters, that as long as you just let me do what I do, it's going to be good. Yeah. You know, if you don't have anything particular for me, like, I'll I'll be entertaining. Like, don't (laughs) don't worry about that. Oh, my gosh. That's, uh... (laughs) 
Um, so, so I guess the next arm of that, I was going to ask you how you've, uh, um, how you overcome those challenges, but it sounds like, it sounds like you're kind of doing okay in that, uh, in that regard. I, uh, I, man, I, I want to check that stuff out now. That sounds really cool. It's streaming on their website. I think it's, they go through independent, I think it's independentwrestling.tv. Okay. Is it? Or I think it's the name of it. So bad with there's so many streaming services now. Yeah, that's 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 the truth. Um, if I can find it, I will throw a link in the show notes for uh, for folks to check out because I think I think a lot of folks uh, would really uh, love to dig that. Um, so the next arm of that uh, of that uh, job interview uh, uh, sesh is what's the dream? I when I first got into wrestling, I think the dream was to go to WWE. Okay. And I think it's kind of everybody's goal at first because sure. that's like. Usually that's the first place you're introduced to wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So you just grow up with it, and there's like that soft spot for it. And I would never turn down a WWE contract, <laughs> um, by all means. But the longer I wrestle, the more I, I know that's not what I want out of wrestling. Um, and especially now that we're in such a good space where you can just be an independent wrestler as an avenue to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always tell people, I kind of want like Joey Ryan's career. Okay. Like, he's done, like, some big promotions, but, like, he's most successful just being himself on the indies. And he has full creative control to do whatever he wants with his character and his matches. And, you know, like, he can take time off when he wants, you know, and do all these other cool things. And I think that's what I want is to, like, let me, which is obviously the real dream is to just do what you want and get paid for it. Yeah. But I think as an artist, it goes even double. Like, I always kind of talk about, like, being a WWE is, like, if... Metallica lost their bassist and needed a new bassist. I know you're the new bass player, but you don't get to write your own songs. You're playing whatever they tell you to play. You're playing sold out arenas, making a ton of money, but like that's you don't you don't have time to do other things. Like that's your job. Whereas being like independent wrestlers, like just being like just in like a band and you just load your stuff in the van, you just go to town to town and like sell your CDs and but you play whatever you want. Yeah. And there are some bands that are just successful indie bands. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that and to me like that's the dream is just being able to do what you want with no one really handcuffing you and being able to support yourself and your loved ones like that's you know i'm not looking to be a millionaire right but you know like just have a comfortable life and be content in what i do i think that's the ultimate goal is to have like that sweet joey ryan career yeah that's really cool and uh and finally to round that out what advice would you have for folks that are pursuing their own artistic interests? Advice for the kiddos. Oh, I guess the biggest thing is try to work with as many people as you can that are better than you, Mm -hmm. but don't copy them. Okay. Like, learn their method, Mm -hmm. but don't necessarily try to repeat what they're doing. Um, In a sense of, like, if you were to, like, learn how to play guitar from Slash. But if you just went out there and like your big party trick was you could do Sweet Child of Mine, cool, but how far are you going to go with that? But if you get the understanding of like how he crafts his like solos and things like that and you write the new Sweet Child of Mine and it's your own style and it's your own thing, I think you're you're definitely better off going that route. But you're never going to get there just trying to figure it out on your own. Like you kind of need somebody to sit in and... It's, it's tough because there are a lot of people who are experienced who will just, who will give you advice only for the sake of saying, you are beneath me. Yeah. And they will just do it as a power play. 
And so I feel like you're always better off just seeking out the people that you want to learn from and learning from them. Like, I'll never turn down advice because everybody knows something that got them to where they are. But I will always try to seek out people that I, I want to learn from and go like, hey, like, do you mind if I pick your brain or ask you a question? And, you know, just building like a little bit of rapport, and especially if you can take their advice and then incorporate that into your art to show that you're listening, they're more apt that next time around to give you more. Like, there are people who come up to me and, like, after matches and go, like, hey, uh, what do you think of my match? Yeah, it was all right. I think maybe try this a little differently, and I'll see him wrestle again, and they'll do the exact same thing. And, you know, right or wrong, but then it's like, okay, well, you're just going to do your own thing regardless. Um, the other is being able to handle criticism and be able to take, take genuinely constructive criticism, especially with art. You're very, everybody's very apt to defend their art because it's a piece of them, and you've worked very hard on it nothing bothers me more than seeing somebody give be given advice and them replying with well yeah but oh yeah when it's like what do you think my match well i liked it but there this one thing i thought was weird yeah but like we were trying to do this like well you you asked what i thought but if you're just going to tell me what i thought was wrong i'm good but that's how that's how everybody is yeah and so being able to go to somebody and be honest and go hey what do you what do you think of this drawing i made or this picture i took and then be able to sit there and let them tell you their thoughts and their opinion. Again, right or wrong. And go, okay, cool, thank you. I'll take it in consideration. Yeah. Versus yeah. being immediately on the defensive. Because if you're only asking for criticism so you can be told how great you're doing, you're going to be stuck where you're at. Yeah. You need to be told what you're doing wrong, mm -hmm. what needs to be changed, what they don't like. Because a lot of times it could be something they don't like. could be because they were told by, the same, by somebody else, like, hey... I was told this is wrong. I was told this doesn't work this way. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever the case may be. But, like, almost everybody learns from experience. And so I think just being able to take those criticisms and apply them when necessary. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their opinion. Some things just don't fit. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's always that argument. People go, yeah, but I was trying to do this. Okay, well, then when you're taking in that feedback, don't worry about the yeah, but. Worry about all the other stuff. Take all that in. You know, and then sometimes just trying somebody's method and just seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah. Because you might, it might not work perfect, but you go like, okay, well, I can tweak this though. Yeah. Okay, and I can make this work for me. I think those are the, the two biggest things is like people just don't handle criticism well and people get advice from the wrong people a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. No, excellent advice. I appreciate that. And uh, Ethan HD, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And, um, uh, you know, you've uh, you've had a busy week. <laughs> oh, my God, a, yes. You guys have been all <laughs> over the place. Um, so before, uh, uh, before we part ways, uh, would you like to talk about... Uh, some of the the other uh, shows you've been on, other folks you've talked to. Like I, I know um, earlier I talked about the uh, News Tribune article. Uh, Matt Driscoll did a did a really cool write up about the shop. There's a there's a little video that goes with it too, and it really kind of kind of tells a little bit of the story. But um, when when last I I told my listeners about you know, uh, Destiny City and the Indiegogo. I was like, I think he's doing other stuff. Maybe watch his Twitter because, you know, I had recorded it before you had done anything yet, so I wasn't sure what it was. But but um, uh, if you want to talk about some of the, the rounds you've been making and some of the cool shows you've been a part of. 
Yeah, just earlier today I did the mega cast with with Steve Biggs and oh god, I forgot his name. He's Ted Smith. Uh, Ted Smith. Yeah, I was gonna say Tim Smith. Okay, <laughs> him too. Ted, Ted Smith. <laughs> And that was just really cool. Yeah. Like, that was really cool. Especially, like, knowing Steve, like, kind of outside of, like... Yeah. Everything, like, through wrestling and all that. It was just very cool, and he kind of knew my backstory. Um, I got to do, like, the uh, BJ Shea's Geek Nation yeah. um, with Reverend Frago mm-hmm. and Vicky and Justin? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bad, so bad yeah. with names. Uh, but getting that, that was just really cool. Just yeah. being able to, like, just kind of talk more, like, mainstream comics and... Yeah. They had like more of a format where it was like we're talking about Spider-Man films and top twenty MCU characters, mm-hmm. so it was cool and getting to weigh in and like just throw out opinions on things. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, this obviously the news tribute with Matt Dr- Driscoll was cool, especially like not just doing the article, but then like coming and checking out the shop and like yeah. taking photos and video it was very cool. Um, and I've been very lucky to a lot of the the places I've wrestled at these last couple weeks have been very cool about just like retweeting my stuff. Um, like I wrestled in Portland last Sunday for DOA Pro Wrestling and uh, after my match the, the ring announcer uh, John got on the mic and was like hey so you guys know Ethan's doing this thing with a comic book shop and he's trying to keep it going if you can do anything for the Indiegogo mm-hmm. always appreciated and then after the show this woman came up to me and she's like hey like I work for an accounting firm in Vancouver like if you need any help with like numbers and things like just give me a call and it was just such a cool thing that like had wow. he not thrown that out there you know, I don't know if she would have, like, seen on my Insta or Twitter or whatever. Sure. Because some people just come to wrestling shows, and that's... They do yeah. their thing, and they leave. They don't follow it outside of that. But it was just cool to get, like, that that little shout-out. Because I never asked that from from right. place I wrestle. Like, right, right. I feel this is kind of, like... Even though a lot of my connections through wrestling, it's kind of outside of the wrestling bubble. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it was just cool for him to just throw that out there. And, yeah, I mean, it helped. Very cool. And, uh, and with that, where... Um uh, can you let folks know uh, one more time about the Indiegogo and then where we can find you on the internet and how can we connect with you on the social medias? Yeah, so if you go to Indiegogo, I'm going to probably screw this up. If you go to Indiegogo.com slash project slash save dash destiny dash city, um, it'll come up. about right. Yeah, the, the, I think that's I'll, it. I'll have a link in the show notes also, but, but still. Yeah, and if you can search Indiegogo for destiny city, it'll, it'll come up. It's the first thing. I, I double check that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at RealEthanHD, which is right now is like fifty percent just me tweeting the link to the Indiegogo, um, and then just a lot of like random wrestling jokes yeah. sparsed out in between. You can find me on Instagram at EthanHD three one two, which is also fifty percent support this Indiegogo in between pictures of me like just kneeing people in the face. Um, and then you can also find me on Facebook Ethan H. Diaz. Um, and that's basically just the Indiegogo is all that pretty much has been lately. And then occasionally retweeting like, or resharing like, uh, posters for wrestling shows I'm on. <laughs> Very cool. But I'm, I'm definitely way more active on Twitter and Instagram. Got it. Got it. Very cool. Well, that's why I wanted to ask that way because, you know, we, we all kind of do a little bit on all of them, but we kind of have our favorites also. <laughs> so, um, uh, very cool. Well, um, uh, before, uh, before we close out any particular, uh, shout outs or any uh, any love you want to give that we might not have covered in our conversation already? Um, I think the biggest one is is my wife Stephanie. I think is the person I need to give the biggest shout out to. One, just for being incredibly supportive, but I'm very private with my life outside of wrestling. Um, and a lot of people ask like, hey, do you want to call you by your, your real name or, or by right. Ethan? And if I know you outside of wrestling, 
I, I don't mind my real name. Sure. And even if it's just in a locker or whatever, if you just know me for a long time. Um, but I'm very private about my life. Like, there's not a lot of photos or, like, things on, like, online about, like, me, what I do outside of my life. And a big part of doing this and being open to the community was kind of opening myself up. Yeah. And a big part of the reason I'm, I'm very private is, one, it's just who I am. Um, but also with, with her, I'm very, I don't know, like, that's, that's my, the most important thing to me. And I like, not only like, like in a weird, I like keeping that to myself. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's kind of like nobody's business but it's been weird like since we're going into this business venture together mm-hmm. like kind of accepting like I have to share her a little bit like with the world so people know who she is and you know understand that like yeah. she's like me minus all the things that like make me unapproachable and like dumb <laughs> and so like it's it's been kind of a learning a, like a bit of a learning experience having to share but that's probably like the one person I really want to give a shout out to because I'm very private and like I don't give her credit where credit's due a lot of times because I want to keep that that personal part of me. So, yeah, I mean, like, the photos you people see of, like, the yeah. stuff I do, she takes so many of those. Mm-hmm. And I don't ask her. She's captures these moments. Right. Um, just helping me out with small things, you know, um, all that stuff. Like, yeah. everything about me that you enjoy that I put out there, mm-hmm. cut that in half because that's what it would be right. without without her at the helm. You know, a, a lot of us are like that as well, because I, I know I'm like that as well. Uh, my, uh, uh, you guys met my lovely wife, uh, Lucky, earlier. She's uh, uh, she's bombing around the shop. Probably she's probably got like a basket full of stuff. Yeah, have to buy. maybe a maybe a kitty in there too. But uh, wife tax. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, I, um, a piece of wisdom I've heard is that we all marry up, mm. and it's uh, and and it and it. Us guys are pretty stubborn sometimes and very narrowly focused and kind of forget that it's like, oh, that's where all that support is coming from. It just doesn't come from nowhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, excellent. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, thank your wives, folks. Yeah. <laughs> or your, your partners or your significant others yeah. and all that. Um, uh, but anyway, sorry, I, I, I interrupted your... Uh, um, your last uh, um, shout-outs there. Um, any, uh, any parting thoughts, final words? Um, just thank you for the opportunity to get, get the word out there and taking that kind of interest in what's going on. Um, and then also just to anybody, anybody listening, like, you know, feel free to just, just feel free to just swing by the shop and just hang out and talk. Um, I'm always open to talk about wrestling or comic books. I, those are the only two things I know. So, and that's, if you want to talk about quantum physics, you know, I can't help you. Um, but yeah, don't feel like you to support the shop you just have to like donate to the Indiegogo or buy something if you want to just come in and hang out yeah. I'm 100% okay with that as well just you know as long as you smell nice <laughs> that'd be my only request very cool well uh, Ethan HD this has been a absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and uh, best of luck on uh, not just the Indiegogo but also the uh, the new adventure and opportunity <laughs> in uh, in comic shop proprietorship <laughs> <laughs>
And that will do it for this special bonus episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. It really does help. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders. Special thanks to King's Books for letting us record in their store. And also, special thanks to the gang from the Here For It podcast and the Beards, Booze, and Brutes podcast for their help spreading the word about the Indiegogo, which does end on Tuesday, October 15th. So if you're able, please consider donating and help keep the doors open. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike. My name is Ethan. And until next time, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.